Hey, welcome to Take Note. This is a podcast about paying attention and keeping a notebook. I am Adam, and I am not here with my buddy Ted this week because he's on vacation. I've got an interview coming up with Keith McCleary, who I've followed on Instagram for many years. He's on Instagram at random, T-H-I-N-K-S, random thinks. I wanted to talk to him about pens and ink because my interest in those things kind of ebbs and flows. And right now I'm really into pens and I want to learn more about inks. So that's coming up in just a second. But I do have, I do got a what do you got, even though no one is here to ask me what do you got. Uh, I was in a mall for quite a long time this weekend. I was walking through a mall in Arizona because you cannot walk outside in the day in Arizona. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed mall culture. It's alien to me. Um, first, the free hug movement is strong. I saw two young people with free hugs t-shirts. One young woman whose free hug t-shirt was very, very small. I considered her quite brave, I guess, for wearing it. And then there was a teenage boy with a Free Hugs t-shirt. His was different. His also had the Chucky doll on it. Um, Also in the mall, there was a young woman in a very nice dress who was clearly very frustrated. Her arms were shaking uh, with the young man who she was with. He was wearing a Pantera t-shirt and carrying at least $200 in new Lego purchases. And now for my interview with Keith McCleary. I want to thank him for taking the time to speak with me. I hope you enjoy it. All right, I've got Keith McCleary here. I follow Keith on Instagram. His his account is Random Thinks. That's uh, Random Thinks with inks at the end of it. Um, and Keith, thank you for thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I have followed you on. Instagram for years and I wanted to talk to you today because I'm in one of these phases where I'm really into fountain pens again and I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to learn about your stationary habits pick your brain about fountain pens a little bit Um, I think we should start you have this daily habit you have a daily page um, and why don't I let you describe it like tell everybody what's happening on that page that I see every day on Instagram sure Um, for about seven years now, I've been doing a daily quote. Um, I tend to just kind of keep a track of them by numbering them. And I refer to it as pens and inks and quotes. I use a fountain pen with a different ink, different papers, um, and I've been doing it for years. I've always been kind of a quote nerd and I've always been a pen nerd. And Instagram has been a lot of fun for both showing things off, but also for kind of holding me to a habit. And it's nice that I have something that I do every day. It's kind of been a lot of fun in the sense of thinking about things, how I'm feeling, uh, and finding a quote that'll match. Is part of it like testing the inks and testing the pens It was early on, um, very early on, but even before I was writing quotes daily before I even knew that Instagram was a thing. Um, And back then, definitely testing the interaction between the the ink and the paper. That's kind of the the key point there is whether or not the ink is going to do something crazy on the paper or if the paper is just going to be horrible for the ink. But since that point, um, it's just kind of me cycling through my collection. 
Um, I've got more fountain pens than any one human should be allowed to have. Um, <laughs> and one of these days I'll thin them out so that, you know, when I pass away, my wife and kids don't go, what are we going to do with all this stuff? And, but it is fun. I think it's, all of us will probably get a better deal on it after you've passed away. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but, uh, no, it's fun. I've been a collector, um, again, really kind of hardcore since probably 2007. Um, but it's just a way to show things off. It's a fun picture. Hopefully the quote makes me think, and if it makes anybody else think, that's good too. Sometimes it's just something silly, something fun. Uh, sometimes it's a reflection of my mood. Um, and the inks are always fun to see. Uh, this year, for the first time, I've really tried to stick to putting all of the quotes in one place. Um, I've always just kind of grabbed a pad from whatever I've had, or even, I mean, the back of an envelope, um, you know, printer paper, things like that. But this year I decided to try to start doing, almost as a journaling habit, of putting them in the same place. And so I started with a A6-sized Hobonichi Teco, um, or Techo, I think the pronunciation is, and I started putting the quotes in there and taking the picture. Um, quickly found out that the A6 size was too small to fit things in, especially a longer quote or a larger pen, to try to fit everything into a nice composition. And so I uh, upgraded myself to the A5 Hobonichi. Uh, I think it's called the Cousin. And so I've been putting them in there. And I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, I really should use more paper. I've got more fun things. I've, I've found some and discovered some new papers. And so I write and play with those as well. But it's, uh, it's kind of nice to be able to kind of page through all of those quotes. Is, is the Hoponichi, is that the notebook that like we see on Instagram right now? Is that the notebook you're using that you're sharing pictures of? Yes. They're fun. They really are neat. They've become a sensation over the past, you know, so many years and trying to, a lot of people use them for the daily planner. I've used them for daily planners. Um, they're fun. They really are nice. Yeah. And the paper is glorious for inks, especially fountain pen inks. Yeah. I, I, I really actually just like the aesthetic of, uh, using a planner for, um, a different sort of purpose like that, right? Seeing the dates on the top. It's a good way of just, yeah, you're just, you know, you've got your quote of the day and there's something nice and simple about using the planner for that instead of crammed into information. It's a nice aesthetic. Um, so, okay, let's get into the quotes a little bit. I've always been kind of curious about how you have a quote at the ready every day. I think, I think occasionally they've maybe come from the Economist's app. I feel like I remember that. I remember seeing a quote once that I had seen a day before. Uh, so I don't know if that's right, but where do you normally find the, the quotes and then, yeah, are you keeping like a list somewhere? Tell me about the quote curation a little bit. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, long, long time ago, back in the early days of blogging, um, I ran across a, uh, it was essentially a dictionary of quotes. And I was posting them to my uh, TypePad blog on a regular basis. And just, I loved reading them. I uh, loved flipping through there. And, you know, fast forward to the, the past, you know, five to seven years, there are all kinds of great websites and apps and things that will 
give you good quotes. Um, Brainy quote is one that I use a lot, and sometimes if I'm struggling, um, if I'm not sure what I'm thinking about, I'll check there and see what their daily quote is, and sometimes it hits me right between the eyes and I jot it down. I'm always trying to, to give them the, uh, the kudos and the uh, attribution. Um, I get a few emails. Uh, one is called, I think, Inspirational Quotes, and so I get the quotes from them, and they do a lot of kind of lists of quotes from famous authors, lists of the great ending lines to movies, lists of famous things said by scientists, and they do a lot of articles, and so I uh, steal shamelessly from there, and that's a lot of it. I do love my song lyrics, uh, especially the more, either the more obscure ones or the ones that when you read them, you just start humming along in your head. So that's always fun. Every now and then I'll get a comment or two or three where people will pick up the tune and just keep on quoting the lyrics. And that's a lot of fun to see. In addition to my pocket notebook that I always carry with me, my field notes, I have, I use a, um, what is it? Field Notes End Pages. That was the tall one with the binding. A lovely addition. I love that that work. The the per binding, the um, the long format. It is one of my favorites uh, from Field Notes. I like I like the odd sized editions from them. I do too. I do too. I think be and I think at first, at first I didn't always love the odd sized editions, but now you're probably like me in that I. I never, I've got more than enough of the normal size Field Notes editions that I really, I never need to buy another one. So when there is an odd size edition, um, I mean, I still, I still buy them, but um, when there is an odd size edition, it's like, oh, I don't have one of those. Like this, I, it's a fake need. It creates a fake need. And I've also found over the years that like, it used to be it's like, what am I going to use that for? And, and that would be a negative at first. But now it, I've always found that you discover a new use for the notebook when it's the odd size. And so that's, that's like a positive to it. Yeah, that's the great thing about having a pile of field notes around is that you can always find some connection um, if you need a new notebook for something, especially if it is one of the odd size. Um, when Dime Novels first came out, I bought a bunch because I loved that size and I loved the, the vibe of that edition. And it was a lot of fun. Um, but again, you know, I'm going crazy over the Great Lakes edition. I'm a Michigan boy and grew up here and have spent most of my life here. And so that one was is has really resonated with me. Yeah, I, I love those two. I don't remember if, uh, if I mentioned this to Ted on a previous episode, so if people have heard this already. But I have, I've read now the little... Um, info about each of the lakes and the fish that uh, and just the little fact the facts about them i've read each of them to uh one of my sons right i made him listen to uh i made him <laughs> listen to me go uh read the things and he you know he did they're short enough that he wasn't totally into it he definitely wasn't into it at first but he liked he liked hearing about the fish and then i think he might have generally liked it um better by the end but he still was like looking forward to the information on the local fish that he always wanted to see um but the, so the end pages, what I use, what, what I do with the end pages is like that's where I will write a quote that I come across, and it's like my my common book, okay. right? That's where I'm gonna like write quotes and like at the, you know, I use it more slowly, but at the end I'll have this book of, um, it'll be, forty seven pages of quotes, 
that I've come across or that I've heard and that I've wanted to stop and uh, that I've wanted to jot down. It'll be one page of songs that make me uh, have goosebumps uh, because that's how I started the notebook. But otherwise, it'll be, I'll be quotes. But um, it's a slow, slow process. And I think um, I don't know that I will ever finish that that notebook just trying to naturally come across those quotes. I'd never get there. So I was, I knew that you had to have some sort of process uh, or, I mean, I, I liked imagining, oh my God, the day's almost over. I've got to, I've got to read every magazine. I've got to read it, I've got to find a decent quote. But I, I knew you had to have a process like that where you're kind of looking for them. And I could see how that, just the search is kind of fun too. Like searching these websites and trying to find something that like, you know, reading a bunch of quotes and like, ah, oh, what strikes me or what hits me. Yep, absolutely. And the, the search engine actually on Brainy Quote is pretty nice. Um, you, can, you can search more than one term and see if things are put together. Um, I've been searching for the term good idea in the last few days, and surprisingly, um, there are lots of quotes that come up exactly that way, and not just idea and good somewhere in the quote, but actually the, I, the two words together. Yeah. That's interesting. I listened to, that's really interesting. That reminds me that yesterday I was listening to the New York Times book review podcast. They had their poetry columnist, who's also a poet. I think her name is Eliza Gabbert on. And she talked about when she was trying to find um, a new way into a new collection or, uh, well, she said that for poets, like your first book is always every poem you've ever written. And then once you get to your second book, then you, you're like, okay, maybe how am I going to even going to do this? Or is there a theme or something like that? And she described searching her Twitter feed, her own Twitter feed <laughs> for certain phrases. And actually she then read this amazing poem about death that is, that started as all these little things she'd written as tweets, like these clever little things she'd written about death um, over the years. And then she, I guess, I mean, she didn't go into detail on the um, process, but I guess she copied all of them down and then started editing and turned it into this poem, which is like a number of like little, you know, jokes and aphorisms about death, but each line was like a different one anyway. So what you said reminded, like when you're searching for a phrase, it reminded me of this thing that I heard her read yesterday that was really quite something. Um, well, before we get off the daily think, um, pens and pens and quotes, inks and quotes, um, you know, is, I know you've also have, you draw yourself on the page usually. I mean, maybe that's not an always thing, but is there anything else we're missing on the page? You describe your pen, you describe the ink, you've got your quote, you have a little, uh, cartoony drawing of yourself. Um, that's about it. I just started the draw, okay. drawing the avatar, um, just as a doodle. Again, I'll, that's, that one ends up a lot of times, um, when I'm playing with roller balls or gel pens or pencils or other things that, that tends to just kind of stamp, um, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, I like how the, in uh, some of the Asian cultures, the idea of a signature, what they call a chop, which is that kind of stamp with red ink, and it usually signifies a name or uh, something like that. And so I've just always kind of tucked that in someplace with any of the pages that I do um, or any like any of the stickers I've made or things like that. It's just kind of a you know visual signature. Yeah, that's great. I love that uh, it's not just a doodle, that you there's this thought behind it, and 
you've related it to those uh, Japanese stamps. Yeah, that's great. So um, how long have you been doing this, collecting pens, using pens and papers like this? And tell me maybe just a little bit more about how the hobby got started. Um, the, well, for the most part, I really started to pay attention to the tools that I used right when I started my career as a college professor. Um, in 1997, uh, first started, left industry as a chemistry researcher and went to start teaching college chemistry at a little college in Michigan and recognized how much writing I was going to be doing. Um, and, you know, lectures, notes, all of those things. And I knew it was going to take up a lot of time. And I've always been the one, my dad taught me to, you know, always have good tools to do what you do. And so I didn't want to stick to, you know, big sticks, pens, and legal pads. Um, I wanted to start finding something good that I could keep track of. And the first thing I found were some really amazing, uh, not antique, but old uh, composition notebooks that were gridded. Um, it was graph paper. And it was nice. They were bound um, and found a supply of them and started using them with decent rollerballs. Uh, back then, it might have been Pilot G2. But the more I wrote, the more I thought that having those tools were good. Um, and then, but back then, it was probably when I started my Retro 51 collection of rollerballs because I'm left-handed, and it's not necessarily easy for a left-hander to write with a fountain pen, depending on how they write. Um, Left-handers tend to drag their hands through the whatever it is that they're writing, or they end up with this kind of weird apostrophe-looking grip where they're trying to pull the pen across the paper, but it ends up you know, leading to carpal tunnel and everything else. Do you think that being a left-hander and having to put a little more thought into how you're going to do it and how you could make fountain pens work, do you think that, in a way, is like, that's part of what grew the hobby, like the challenge? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, being able to find tools that I could use. And, you know, I, for, the, for many years, I saved lots and lots and lots of lecture notes and had stacks and stacks and stacks of notebooks and pads. And it's one of those things that I, a lot of times I would get pretty mindful of how I was doing things because if a student ever asked, you know, can I borrow your notes? And it's like, mm, probably not, because I don't think you're going to be able to read them. Um, right. My writing wasn't illegible, but it was in kind of this oddball shorthand of half cursive, half printed, um, you know, thoughts and notes, uh, ideas started but not finished because I knew in my head that that's what I could do and carry off a lecture without having to deeply refer to my notes. It was usually became a, a list of bullet starting points. Um, and so, yeah, that challenge. And my handwriting has still deteriorates from time, especially if I'm writing for a long time. But with the, the pens and the inks and the quotes and the stuff that I've been doing on Instagram and other writing, it's been fun to have a style that is clearly legible but not painstakingly slowly written yeah yeah i 
I love that idea that uh, maybe a, a habit or a hobby is developed, but like because of that that challenge that you've got, right? You had to dig into it a little more. Probably made you want it a little more. So, huh? Now we've you've referred to your collection a couple times. Do we know how how many pens do you have? Not sure if you've ever heard the term Sable, the acronym Sable, S A B L E standing for stash acquisition beyond life expectancy <laughs> i haven't i like that and so yeah. i i've clearly got uh sable level supplies but at the same point um and i've, I've the good news is i've become very kind of discriminating with fountain pen purchases because they can get expensive um even though i tend to swim in the shallow end of that pool um I still try to, to find things out, and regularly um, I will grab a shoebox, I will pile it full of gel pens and markers and Sharpies and things that aren't going to be used anymore, and I'll, I'll drop them off at um, one of the daycare centers where my kids used to go. I'll drop them off there, I'll send them to school with my youngest daughter, who will pass them on to her teacher. Um, when I was still teaching, I would regularly have a box of pens and pencils that any student could walk in and grab if they were missing one, if they had forgotten one for the day. And so those were always kind of, you know, freely passed on when I was done using them. You're using a different pen every day for the random thanks account and for the daily pen and, uh, pen and ink and quote. Um, how many, how many of your pens are usually inked and how often are you? So I, I have a bad habit of like, you know, not keeping them clean or like using a fountain pen, getting into a fountain pen mood and then just going back to my usually Uniball Signa UM-153 is my favorite pen. Um, but so I, yeah, how often are you cleaning and re-inking them? I guess for, for the daily ink and how many pens are usually inked? How does that part of the process work for you? Um... I'm bad at it. I have what I would consider to be horrible pen hygiene. Um, I know a lot of, of collectors will, you know, keep a number of pens inked, maybe 10, maybe 20. Um, but they're all always very careful about um, cleaning them when they're done using a certain color or switching things. Uh, I do a, a, during the month of February, I do an entire Instagram uh, that the, my Instagram account for the entire month is orange pens and orange inks. Um, and it's, I call it kill winter with orange because February is the most awful month of the year and finding some way to pass the time. I'll go back to those pens and they'll still be inked from the previous year. Now they're dried out, but being a chemist, I know how to clean the pens really easily um, so I know that for the most part, I'm not going to destroy a pen if the ink dries up in it. Uh, I've gotten, okay. I've gotten really good at taking them apart and cleaning them. Um, and so that's not a problem for me and it doesn't bother me every now and then I have to be careful because there are some inks that are out there that uh, let's call them aggressive and they can, um, not so much clog a pen, but start to kind of eat away at the finish they're uh, either very acidic or very basic. And so I'm usually pretty aware of when I've got one of those more extreme inks and I will clean it up. But for the most part, it if anything, if there's a pen I want to use that I can't get to write, I will break it down into pieces. I will throw it into um, a little ultrasonic cleaner that I have. And five minutes later, I am ready to ink and go. 
So oh, that nice. part that part's never really worried me. All right. Well, I definitely want to talk about discovering new inks and what inks buy next, and maybe get into some of that understanding of which inks might be a little more aggressive. But before we do that, I I don't want to. I don't want to bury this part. I know that you are making ink sample holders. I believe they're 3D printed. Um, I saw some cool skulls. They're really neat. Maybe let me know how that came about. And um, it, are they 3D printed? Is that Am I right about that? Yes. Yep. We uh, design them uh, or basically start with different things. We work through the design process and then hit the print button and see what happens. Um, I started 3D printing... It was probably 20, 2012, 2013, um, on a whim, actually. Um, I had some development funds left that I had uh, won through a grant at the college and was kind of thinking about um, process and iteration. And so I bought the 3D printer with the idea that we could do things both with my students and also actually kind of secondarily with my kids about, you know, how do we make something exist in the real world if it's in our heads? And so, you know, starting with something drawn on a piece of paper, we can take it into the computer, we can come up with a, a, a design, and then we can test it on the printer to see if it works. And so that has become another very, very deep rabbit hole. And it has been so much fun. And the, the ink sample holders and the pen holders, all of the stuff that I've done have been because of my connection to that hobby. Um, I always, you know, see people with uh, some old coffee mug on their desk. It may be a, a cherished memento or it might just be the one that they don't want to drink their coffee out of that's stuffed with pens. And I always figured that I could do better than that. And so I started, you know, tweaking and working with designs. And that's become, you know, a small kind of cottage industry for me um, in the sense that it allows me to go to three or four pen shows a year and sell them and then buy pens and inks and papers and other things. Right. Yeah, so I, I'll just describe for the listener, though... The, um, the one that I saw this morning that really stuck with me was that it's a, it's like a, looks like a little skull. It's maybe, I'm guessing, uh, two or three inches tall. And then there is like a cylindrical hole in the top of the skull so that you can put a, the little bottle to hold an ink sample in there. It's, they, they were beautiful. Oh, thanks. It's, it's a lot of fun. It really, really is. Um, you know, like I said, with, with my kids, they really took to it for a while, and, and it, it worked us all through some kind of thoughts about how that things get built. And the, the ink sample holders have kind of grown out of other things. You know, that, that skull started out as something we printed either to color swatch the material or to use up at the end of a roll of material. The 3D printing material comes out in kilogram rolls that's 1.75 millimeters thick. And when you get to the last you know, meter or so of that, it's not really good at printing anything large. So I used to print those skulls out and, and we ended up with buckets of them. And so when I went to my first pen show, I was giving them away. Um, kids, anybody who bought something, because they were fun. They just, it's kind of something fun to hold in your hand. 
And that skull has actually morphed its way into a number of different products. Um, I have a very large skull that I like to print in uh, glow-in-the-dark colors, and uh, he's got five holes in his head, five holes at the crest of his skull, that fan out. And so that is Mo, Mohawk. Um, that we that we use and it's it's funny because it started out as kind of a whim uh, the Detroit pen show is usually towards the end of October every year and so I printed a few off as kind of a Halloween you know uh, more amusing myself than anything else but they kind of took off uh, and so that's when I decided um, that you know that was a thing that we would do and then at this year's St. Louis pen show one of the people who came up to my table said, you know, you really need to make that skull into an ink sample holder. I was actually making um, small ink sample holders that looked like teacups and saucers. And um, the skull became one of those sort of things. Like, you know, I never thought about that. I said, why don't, I'll tell you what, you know, give me your name and address. I'll work through the prototypes and then I'll send you one to try out and tell me what you think. And that's where that one came from. So uh, it's just one of those things. It's not something that we think about, but you've got to be careful with those ink sample vials. They tend to be very light plastic, and you tend to knock them over. And depending on where you're sampling your ink, you've either got a huge mess or a really bad mess if it heads for carpet or for anything else. I've heard right. horror stories of people staining marble countertops, uh, carpet, things like that from spilled ink. And I had been lucky. I had never really dumped either a sample or a bottle until after I made it, started making ink sample holders. Uh, one day I was just too lazy to grab one of the holders and stick the vial in it. And of course, that's the time that it fell over. So yeah, I, uh, I live in fear of that. And I think that like the one little one little segment of um, paper towel that I put down and then put the ink on top. I always think, like, what a ridiculous, like, this is not going to actually solve the, you know, like, if this thing spills, this one little segment of uh, paper towel is, it's more just, like, plausible. Like, it's, like, so I can say I did something. Sure. You know, I tried something. And, yeah. and, and it, will, it will help. It'll help slow it down, if nothing else. It gives you time to go right. get more paper towel. Yeah. All right, well, so let's get into uh, – now I want to get into my ink problems a little. Not my ink problems, my, my ink issues, my, my stuff. So I, I have never really had a, what I would consider a mildly expensive pen until I just got a Lamy 2000 a few weeks ago. I decided I would save up uh, gift cards until I had enough to get a Lamy 2000 because it's just for me, I kind of felt like as, as soon as – it cost about $150, $200. As soon as I spent that much money for it, I, I just had a hard time believing that I would see the value in it. And, of course, afraid to lose it. Kind of the same thing you were saying. Like, I don't want to have any tool that is too precious to use. Um, but I, I know – I mean, I, for years, I just kept seeing uh, people rave about it. So I got it, and I found at my – the Japanese stationery store, Kinokuniya, by me, there was a bottle of Colorverse Hubble ink, which is like brown ink is on sale. So again, I had kind of low expectations for it. Um, and I just, I loved it. Loved the pen, this brown ink. I liked that more than I thought. And so I am now, you know, right now I'm at that phase of like, I should get more inks. I should use this more. And, but, but I don't, it's very hard for me to understand kind of 
how to expand that, right? I've got, I think, some good blue inks. I've got some good, I've got a good bottle of black ink. I never thought I would like the brown ink. So are there specific inks, whether it's brands that you love to use, or are there specific like qualities in inks? Like I know that some are shimmery. I don't even know where people find, I mean, I, I get that you can like try to find it on jet pens, but how do you like take that next step? And if it's just like, just buy whatever looks cool, that's fine too. You can do the buy whatever looks cool and that's how you end up with 50, 75, 200 bottles of ink. <laughs> as far as inks go, you know, it, it, it will depend on a lot of different things. There are some really cool ways. If you're okay testing samples, if you're okay, uh, you know, you can, any of the online pen shops will sell samples of all of their inks. And it gives you a way to try out massive numbers and you can so you can tinker with that and you can fiddle with that there are a few um, ink companies that make smaller bottles and larger bottles um, to me diamine inks come to mind which are one of probably one of my most in my collection probably the, the largest number of okay. inks um, they are amazing they're very well behaved um, radical numbers of colors. And so it's kind of fun. But you can subscribe to uh, an ink sample club. Um, one of the uh, guys from Goldspot Pens, his name's Tom Otto. Tom uh, runs inkjournal.com, and he there is a monthly uh, ink sample club, if you will. And I don't know if he's still got spots open or not. But they'll send you, you know, for a reasonable amount of money, you'll get eight to ten samples a month, and you can go oh, cool. absolutely crazy with inks. Um, you can, if you know what colors you're looking for, or if you know what brands you want to try out, any of, like I said, the major online retailers will sell samples. Um, Goulet pens, Anderson pens, Vanessa pens, um, Pen Chalet, Gold Spot. All of those guys will happily ship you a three to four milliliter sample or two to three milliliter sample for a couple of bucks, and you can try them all out. Um, so you can do that. All of those sites, or at least some of them, will have will show kind of swatches of the ink in a in one of the photos online, and a couple of them. I think it's Anderson. It might be Anderson and Goulet that will allow you to kind of do the comparison. And kind of you can check off three or four boxes and it'll show you a comparison of the inks. And so that's another way to find out um, what's out there. Um, if you want to learn about some of the properties of inks, um, you can check out Jet Pens has gone really far into doing a lot of YouTube videos kind of talking about all stationary-related things. And they've done a, a large number of kind of instructional videos. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you're gonna pretty soon you're gonna be using terms like shade, sheen, and shimmer, and know that there are three subtle differences in kind of how the inks appear, um, and sometimes even not so subtle differences. And you'll start to understand kind of where they come from. And it is fun. It's fun to 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 
ink one up and just let it rip to see what kind of fun properties it might have. Even when inks behave badly on paper, sometimes it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I that, that's that's interesting, and I, I was just thinking like the experience that I'm having with this Lamy 2000. I'm using a broad nib, and um, I'm going through the ink in the pen fairly quickly. It seems, and I also just so I mean I don't know maybe maybe just the Lamy 2000 holds less ink than like, I've had Lamy Safari before and I've used it to his Bieco, or maybe I'm just, I have this broad nib now and I really like it and I'm using it more, but it's also like a good opportunity to, um, even though I'm really liking this color versus Hubble ink, um, it's a good opportunity to ink it with another color more quickly, right? Like to try something more differently, either just maybe because I'm putting more ink down or I'm, you know, I, it's, it needs a refill more quickly than my other pens have needed to for whatever reasons, the way I'm using it, the frequency, or the pen. Um, it's a good opportunity for me to try these other inks. And I had no idea about, I don't think, I had any idea about the, like, the sample clubs or being able to buy, yeah, I'm, I'm on jet pens a lot, being able to buy the sample sizes. I've kind of missed that. Like all, with the last thing I saw was this Colorverse box that I had, that I got, had a, a big bottle and a 15 milliliter bottle too. They give two, sure. they provide two boxes in the, uh, two inks, two bottles in the box. And I was disappointed they were the same color. And I went online and it looks like they've changed that. Where now if you buy these boxes, you get the 15 milliliter as a slightly different color, which I think is a cooler way. So I kind of got deep into that trying to figure out, like I I just got deep on the color versus side because I was like, oh shoot, I thought this was, I, th I thought this was gonna be two different colors. Um, and I found that they do, do they do that now. So I was kind of deep on that side, but I like this, you know, I, I missed that you could get the samples on jet pens or just forgot who knows. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not like certain to do it. I'm not certain that jet pen sells the samples, but I know a lot of other ones oh, okay. do, but, That's um, right. yeah. And, and Colorverse, they're a relatively new to the stage or at least relatively new finding them in, in the U S. Um, I believe they're from Korea. And uh, yeah, I think so. the, the, at least from what I understand, they go back and forth. Sometimes the inks are the same color and sometimes they're, they're can be even widely different or you'll get a standard ink and a shimmer ink or something like that. I think the idea behind this, the big bottle, small bottle being the same size is that the small bottle is portable and you can use it up and then refill it from the larger bottle. Uh, but I don't know that for certain. And then just the, the various colors, yeah, they're they're pretty good. But yeah, try a bunch of samples. Um, and again, you'll find things that you really, really like. There's hundreds of ink reviews out there. People will do exhaustive, you know, kind of drawings and shadings and writings and swatching with their ink. So you can see things. The hard part about the computer is that everybody is representing color differently. You know, it depends on how it's shot, if it's filtered, things like that. So it's difficult to see a color on your screen and then have it be slightly to, to varying widely different on your paper. Right. Right. I, I think, I have a theory. I have no problem reading a long book review on a boring subject or, you know, I, but when I get to the ink reviews, I have this theory that it is the, 
beautiful photos of the ink swatches that distract me and I don't read and retain the information because <laughs> I'm like, ooh, look at that, you know? Um, which is, so I'm really glad that we got to talk about it um, and I couldn't look at anything while we were talking and I was able to focus on what you had to say and honestly, I, I learned a ton. I've really loved your Instagram account. If anyone listens to the show and doesn't follow random things, they should do that. They should buy, They should go there to see your um, your samples or your sample holders, right? Sure. Is that the best place to see them? Yeah. They should buy some ink sample holders from you. Yep. That's. Um, I have not gotten to the point where I need to sit down and go back and remember my programming skills and internet skills to build a shop. Um, it's it's coming because it's probably the 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 friction free way of getting. Uh, those products out other than visiting pen shows which I really would love to, to uh, visit more of but uh, it'll get there eventually I have a feeling so uh, my wife uh, sells stuff on Etsy sells thrift items on Etsy and that sort of stuff and she's always talking about like just she doesn't use Facebook maybe maybe she could sell some of the stuff through Facebook through me or just selling on Instagram so I, I have a feeling that maybe selling on Instagram is the right way to go and just do, having people DM you. I, I don't know. At least once you have that site up, then I think you're going to maybe be like, oh, now that I've got the site, now I wish I was just selling through Instagram. So I, I wouldn't worry that much about it. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks. That's good advice. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the conversation. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I hope people will uh, check you out online. Yes, thank you very much. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat about the uh, the nerdy pursuits that we all have. And uh it, it is like it's a, it's a rabbit hole and it's a very absorbing and very good place to be thanks to keith mccleary again for coming on the pod you can find him at random thinks on instagram you can find us at take note.space doesn't sound like a website but it is you follow us on twitter at take note pod ted will be back next week and we will see you when we see you